In Guernica and in using the painting, what were its key roles in transforming a love story that people are already you know, familiar with? Well, um, Picasso's um, comment behind the work uh, Guernica was an anti-war uh, sentiment and it was just to pay tribute to the senseless nature of war. And this year we've done three programs that have been inspired by his, his mural. And um, the first work was Vale of Maya, which represented um, an aspect to the painting that is um, related to the capacity that people can um, convince themselves to deliver acts of terror or, you know, cruelty in the name of um, a uh, better good. And um, his comment um, of using the bull in the work, his, his masterwork, is representative of Franco and the fascist forces behind the actual bombing in 1937. So our first program, Vale of Meyer, was sort of looking at that aspect of the painting. The second program was Imperium. And um, through the painting, he also uses the motive of the um, candle, a hand holding a candle, and um, it represents a idea of hope. So through um, acts of um, cruelty and terror that comes from war, there is always the sense of human looking to uh, a sense of hope and um, rebuilding. So um, I've always absolutely um, love this masterpiece. And so, you know, looking at expressing the narrative of Guernica, the actual war, um, I felt it was very sort of um, reflecting of the Romeo and Juliet narrative. And whilst our narrative is very loosely based on, on Shakespeare's story, the underlying message is the frivolous nature of conflict and through this background of hate and um, mistrust, love can prevail um, or tries to. So that was the connection and I, you know, um, I thought that portraying the story of Guernica was important to not try to, you know, um, deliver an exact narrative of the goings-on at the time. So it's really sort of more inspired by the events and inspired by Picasso's comment behind painting as opposed to the actual events of, you know, what led up to Guernica. Um, I mean, you know, obviously there was a lot of research in terms of the reasoning behind this bombing of Guernica and the years leading up to it and what was happening around the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we just developed, started developing the work um, and, and really sort of having, having, a, having a line, a thread, I guess, a red line that was Romeo and Juliet. You know, Guernica was um, it's in the Basque area of Spain. And pre-World War Two, Spain was really a, a, you know, a place where many great artists and philosophers and, um, you know, intellects uh, thrived. And, um, it, you know, the globe recognised that. And the years before World War Two, 
the, all of you know many of these artists, including Picasso, were either um, expelled from the country or, or murdered, basically. So anyone that wasn't aligning themselves with the nationalistic doctrine of, of, um, of Franco um, was basically expelled from Spain, and a lot of a lot of um, these people uh, formed the um, the Republican Revolt, and and that was sort of centred in the Basque region of Spain. So while Guernica had nothing to do really with the front line or bet no um, threat to any military action that was going on, it was really the first act of, you know, carpet bombing or bombing innocent civilians to kill morale. And um, and that's what Picasso's comment was about. The painting itself was actually premi- um, premiered in... Paris at the World Fair for technology, and um, and he thought it was appropriate to um, present it there because it was a, a comment to say that you know technology used in the wrong way, as in military, can result to this you know horrific incident that happened in in Guernica. So I think it's relevant today, and you know the the, the narrative of Romeo and Juliet is you know obviously very relevant with many different, you know, conflicts that happen. You know, you've got two two sides, ten sides, whatever, but, you know, what can prevail is a sense of hope and a sense of love, regardless of, you know, what religion or what sort of political area you're coming from. So that was the real sort of inspiration behind the, um, the trilogy of work. So in terms of the technique, the choreography, it had a lot of positions and lines that were, you know, obviously contemporary, you know, like flex speed and that parallel position, you know, inward and outward rotation in second position, etc. So what's the creative process like putting together a production that fuses contemporary movements with, you know, music and a set that is, um, you know, very much traditional and with a classic storyline? Well, I think it's a genre that Melbourne Ballet Company has become known for over the years. We've really developed this sort of contemporary ballet technique, and I've always been very mindful to not try to emulate what anybody else is doing. So, you know, I feel that our company is delivering our repertoire, you know, better than anybody else can because it's been really developed over the years on this company. So it's unique in that respect. Certainly my work, and that's been sort of um, most of the work the company's done over the last 10 years, is really taking inspiration from my experience as a ballet dancer in ballet companies and also a dancer in contemporary companies and uh, working with many great choreographers that have really influenced me and my approach and inspired me to, you know, utilise many different techniques and also, you know, really utilise the the strengths the strength of the dancers we have. Um, so I guess it's a, an extension of classical ballet. I mean, I'm very much from a classical ballet background, but this is an ex- expression beyond, I guess, what lies within classical ballet. Um, and when I am inspired to create a ballet, the narrative, I guess, is... Um, second to the music. I mean, that's really the biggest inspiration. 
and um, you know the music is what tells me you know what to do movement wise um, I, you know I feel that dance is just simply a physical expression of music and that score from Prokofiev it's just so clear um, as to you know what he's saying through that score so I think the you know the three elements the music the um, the, the, the strength of the dancers and that what they've brought to the company over the years and the style of the company. And thirdly, the, um, the narrative, you know, the, the, the you know, classic narrative of Romeo and Juliet set on this sort of back, backdrop of, of um, Spain in the 1930s. You know, it's a fairly complicated set of ingredients to um, kind of work together that I think everybody got on board very quickly in terms of the creatives involved and um, what we wanted to do with this work was quite clear from the beginning. You know, whilst we would have liked to have had a bit more time in the theatre, which we usually do, I feel that the, yeah, the work really, um, it sort of says exactly what I wanted it to say and it's not trying to be Romeo and Juliet and it's, and it's not trying to be a documentary about Guernica. It's, it's really just being inspired by Picasso's comments for, behind his mural. And then also, I just wanted to add to that, Picasso is very much influenced by many different techniques in his work. So I think it's uh, interesting that the Melbourne Ballet Company is also very influenced by many different techniques and approaches, you know, when it comes to acting and mime and, you know, many different dance techniques. And also we use a hybrid of music. I mean, we often mix classical music with contemporary music. We, you know, this is one of our first works that we've actually used a full classical score. But I think it's really interesting to to cross those different genres to create a new expression of something. From an artistry perspective, what do you see as the layers beyond, you know, performing the obvious steps? I and mean, you know, in terms of like, you know, communicating to an audience. In terms of this work, I think you need to have some kind of idea of the narrative of Romeo and Juliet. I mean, I try not to spoon feed the audience too much. It's really a an impression, you know. It's not. It's you know, as I said before, it's not a documentary, so it's not you know, absolutely underlying every layer on, on every, you know, every level. I think when you're working with um, dance, you know, your brush strokes to a certain extent need to be quite, quite wide and you need to really give room for the audience to um, take away from a work what they will. It's a piece of contemporary art and um, you, can, you can, I guess, take many different things from it, you know, whether, whether it's the, the music that is, is something that is, you know, the highlight or whether it's the ability of the dancers or the choreography or it's the, it's the narrative. And I guess, you know, it's up to the audience to, to take away from, you know, uh, any of our programs what they will. Um, I, I guess I know what I am inspired by and I look at. But that by no means reflects what I think the audience should be taking away from it. You know, I think that that, you know, that's that's, um, something that I don't 
think too much about. I mean, I don't mean that to come across that I don't think about the audience, but I but I'm very happy when an audience member, you know, sees something in a piece that I don't see, or 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 sometimes they see exactly what I see. To hold on to artistic integrity, you can't be too focused on really ticking every box. You know, you've got to just be steadfast with your you know approach artistically and and build it that way. And uh, you know, there's many many layers of thought and uh, process that go into that and experience from everyone involved. You know, the company is made up of dancers that have a huge amount of experience in in, um, major companies around the world. So, you know, all of that experience plays a big part. But I guess my, my, um, my way of expression is through... Is through movements, you know, and I don't think that you should over-intellectualise work too much. You know, you don't need to say too much about a dance piece for it to be more or less powerful. I think that the work should speak for itself, if you know what I mean. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, ballet is a way of storytelling and, you know, the Melbourne Ballet Company has proved some unique and innovative ways to do this. What would you like, you know, to give our listeners like a bit of insight into that process as a resident choreographer? You know, how how does Melbourne Ballet Company, you know, differ to like, you know, the mainstream companies or companies that have really been around for you know, much longer? The Melbourne Ballet Company has created a very unique expression and you know, a, a very unique place in the environment, the dance environment. You know, our, our work is, you know, original. It is absolutely, I, you know, I, I guess it's artistically relevant in, in terms of we're not trying to um, deliver a inexpensive version of Swan Lake or something. You know, we're mindful of our size and we're, mindful to develop work that is, you know, artistically relevant and as, uh, I guess, powerful and important. I'm not talking about my work. I'm talking about the choreographers that have worked with the companies, with our company over the years. But it is as powerful and as relevant as some of the, you know, major institutions. You know, if you want to go and see um, a fully-fledged production of, Swan Lake, then I would absolutely advise an audience member to go to the State Theatre and see the Australian Ballet do it because they've got the budget and they've got the the numbers in their company to do it. We um, adapt narratives. We've got a production of um, Ake, which is based on the narrative of Swan Lake. It's not Swan Lake. It's called Ake, and it's um, you know an, an expression of that classic, as is Guernica. It's an expression of Romeo and Juliet, but by no means is it Romeo and Juliet because, you know, there's very few companies that have the, have the um, capacity to present fully-fledged classical works. And as a dancer, and as most of my dance have, we've been in companies that have done these productions many times. So, you know, the Melbourne Ballet Company has put itself in a position where we're developing work that is absolutely appropriate for the size of company that we are. It is a new expression of the art form 
and um, it's also a platform for creatives to present work. You know, when talking about some of the ma- major organisations, it's incredibly expensive for them to take any risks. So a lot of the work is bought, you know, from overseas and it's work that has been established and proved. So, you know, there's not a huge capacity for talented Australian choreographers and also, you know, really renowned Australian choreographers to present a lot of work. So I guess Melbourne Ballet Company also offers that capacity because for us it's very interesting to experiment and to, you know, watch that creative development, I guess, unfold and, you know, see it go in different directions. The programs that we've presented, you know, in the last few months have been substantially different from each other. We've had several, you know, really acclaimed choreographers working with the company, going in different directions. Their their approaches have been completely different. You know, some choreographers really use a lot of task-based work, which means that, you know, the dancers get a lot of jobs to do throughout the, the rehearsal period and then the piece is built like that. Other choreographers come with exactly what they want already in their head and they and they basically teach the dancers. And other choreographers, it's a real sort of um, mix of the of the two. So, you know, to be in that sort of creative environment has, has, has resulted in a company that is, you know, very artistically relevant and unique. And, and we tour a lot. We, we tour a lot around Australia. And, you know, the word contemporary to a lot of particularly regional audience members is a bit of a turn-off um, because a lot of work that is toured um, with the contemporary kind of label Tends to, you know, can, can, can be somewhat inaccessible, particularly to kids or, you know, so, um, I think we've found a way of communicating to, you know, a greater audience throughout Australia with a contemporary expression to classical ballet, you know, and as you might have seen, our dancers are very classically strong and, um, you know, that purity of technique is certainly there, but we're, you know, we're, we're just using that, that that technique in different ways to express different things, I guess. All right, um, Simon, we're going to have to finish up here. Thank yep. you very much for your interview and thank you for bringing that production. Like, yeah, I was there last night and I did not take my eyes off for one second. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, 